verse number five. This is a continuation of the story of the lame man that was healed by Peter and John going into the temple. Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. <clears throat> In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. The man was healed. Chapter number four, they are arrested. Verse number five. And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kinship of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, you rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which is become the head of the corner. Verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. What I want to preach for a few moments here this morning is neither, neither. Somebody say neither. That's what verse 12 begins with. Neither is there salvation in any other. I want to talk about the power that is found in the name. Neither is there salvation in any other. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your blessing, your goodness, and your word as we stand before you in the house of God today. Be a strength, an anointing, a foundation, a doctrine, a teaching, and ability to recognize the power that is found in the revelation of who you are. We ask these things in your mighty name, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word. We cannot fully comprehend all there is to know about God. It's an impossibility because God is infinite. We are finite. God is immeasurable. He is sovereign, and we are human. So our capacity is earthly. It is not heavenly, and so we only have so much ability to understand and recognize his depth. The Scripture does say in Romans chapter 11 and verse 33, Oh, the depths of the wit the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. That, that should cause us just a pause to recognize that even though we may study and even though we may be a workman of the word and even though we may spend a lifetime of studying the scripture, we will never get to the bottom and the depths of how great and good God is. Amen. God is always showing up and showing out and revealing that he can respond in a myriad of situations just when we think we have an understanding he reveals something greater his mercy is new every single morning there is a depth and expansion of how good he is somebody might say well I'm just getting bored with all there is to know about God no you haven't dug deep enough because you will never get to the bottom of how good God is hallelujah there is there is no way that you can get to his ways and his abilities he's a sovereign God I'm thankful that I serve a sovereign God here today. I'm thankful that there is some depth and anointing that goes far beyond what I could think or even ask of him, but his presence and his ability is real, and I feel him in this place today. So we can't fully comprehend all there is to know about God, and yet he gives to us some ways of having an understanding and comprehension 
There are methods that he reveals to us, and there are several ways of doing this. And since we're talking about a name here, they were called together because they healed a man that was lame from his mother's womb. He asked alms. He wanted money. And Peter and John going into the temple said, we don't have money, but we do have something that is more powerful than financial means. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. The man stood up on his feet, and he started leaping, and he went into the temple. And this created such a huge uproar that people uh, became very, very concerned. They were called before this tribunal. They were arrested, and then they were asked the question by what name or what power have you done this? I believe it is our duty and responsibility to say the same thing that Peter said in the first century. I'm coming to you in the name of Jesus Christ. This man was healed by the power and through the name of Jesus Christ. We need to take to our world the same message. By what power and by what name? We're coming to you in a name that is above every name because there is power connected to that name. There is healing connected to that name. So that's how we're coming. We're coming with that significance. And so Peter reflects that and reveals that. And this is a culmination and a fulfillment that started way, way, way back in the beginning because this is one of the ways that God reveals himself. There is significance in the scripture regarding his name. Names in the Old Testament, even into the New Testament, are changed at times. Abram, which means high father, was changed to Abraham, which means the father of a multitude. Jacob, which means supplanter, deceiver, heel catcher, became Israel, which means he will rule as God. Simon, which means hearing, became Peter, a rock. And so to the ancients, the name is a part of the person. It's an extension of the personality of the individual. This is one of the ways in which God reveals, by extension, part of his personality, part of his abilities, his character. And so God uses names as progressive self-revelation. Exodus chapter 6 and verse number 3, And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty, but by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. So there is progressive revelation in which God is revealing his ability. And he says in this verse, I came as God Almighty, but I was not known as Jehovah to them, the Lord to them. Abraham did use the name Jehovah. Genesis chapter 22 and verse 14, Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day, Jehovah Jireh means the Lord that provides. So God reveals himself incrementally from the beginning. And his name represents a lot of things. For example, his name represents his presence. Solomon, when he is dedicating the temple that he built, he says a prayer and he says, but will God indeed dwell on the earth? The heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee, how much less this house that I have builded. God is expansive. He is far beyond the four walls of a building. His presence is beyond that. And yet his name can settle in and be a part of a sanctuary and part of a temple. His name shall be there in this place. Thank God that the name of the Lord is here. We know he's omnipotent and he's omnipresent, which means he is all places at all times. But I'm thankful when I step through these doors and into this sanctuary that I can feel the anointing of the Lord and know that the name of the Lord is associated with the presence of the Lord 
and the presence of the Lord is in the house of the Lord. I know you can feel him at home. I know you can feel him in a car. You can feel him on a mountaintop. You can feel him in a valley. But thank God his name is in the house of God because his name reveals his presence is there. His presence is there. So his name means his presence. His name reflects his character. First Kings chapter 8 verse 43, that all the people of the earth may know thy name to fear thee as do thy people Israel and that they may know that this house which I have builded is called by my name. His presence, his character, his power. When Moses is uh, talking to Pharaoh in Exodus chapter 9 and verse 16 and God is revealing to him what is going to happen in terms of the Hebrews and Pharaoh. He speaks to Moses and says in very deed for this cause have I raised thee up for to show thee my power and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. My presence is going to be wrapped up in my name. The character of God is wrapped up in my name, and the power of God is wrapped up in my name. Moses, you're going to go before Pharaoh, and you're going to need some strength, and you're going to need some power. Where's that power going to come from? It's going to come from the name of God. God is going to walk with you, and that's what is going to give you authority. Exodus 23, 21, beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. This is talking about an angel of the Lord, probably a theophany. So these are things that are important, that are connected to the name of God. His power, his authority, his presence, his character. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm thankful that there is a name that is above every name. In the beginning, this was somewhat shrouded in mystery because people didn't really understand and recognize the supremacy uh, and totality of a name that's above every name. They were getting bits and pieces as God was revealing his character and his ability, but they didn't have a completion of who and what the name was. We have great opportunity in the house of God today to stand before individuals and say, I know who I serve. It's not wrapped up in mystery. It's not shrouded in a fog somewhere, but like a blazing light piercing into the darkness. I know who I'm serving. I know who's walking with me. I know whose name I'm declaring. They were commanded not to take his name in vain. This is one of the reasons why it was shrouded in mystery in the beginning. We can see this because in Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 7, this was one of the commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And so because they had such a respect for it, they would not repeat it. And so in our scripture, we don't really know the complete pronunciation of Jehovah or Lord, because the vowels have been separated from that, and it's four letters that's called the Tetragrammaton, that is interpreted in the scripture as Lord. They were warned not to take his name in vain, even though at the same time, they were warned not to forget his name. In Psalm 44, verse number 20, if we have forgotten the name of our God, or stretched out our hands to a strange God, shall not God search this out, for he knoweth the secrets of the heart. So they wanted to respect the name. They were told not to forget the name, but they wouldn't repeat the name because they were afraid of disrespecting the name. And, and so there was some mystery that was connected here. And so in the Old Testament, there were distinct names <clears throat> of God. Yahweh or Jehovah, these are redemptive names. Isaiah chapter 42 and verse number 8 <clears throat> says, I am the Lord, that is my name. 
and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. I am the Lord, that is the Tetragrammaton, and it's translated as Lord, and it is stated that is my name. So it's the Lord, it's Jehovah, it's Yehovah, it means the self-existent or eternal one. It is the Jewish national name of God, and that concept is what spoke to Moses when he told him from a burning bush, I am that I am is going with you. <clears throat> Moses is concerned. He doesn't know who is going with him. And so he asks, by what authority or by what name am I going to approach Pharaoh, who is a world leader? And here I am, <laughs> a herdsman from the backside of the desert for 40 years. I'm coming back into his presence and I'm supposed to step into his courthouse. Whose name do I deliver to him? And the Lord spoke from a burning bush and said, you go tell Pharaoh the I am that I am sent you the I am. This is not a proper name. And yet it describes a concept of who God is. So when Pharaoh uh, received Moses into his courthouse. Moses was coming not with a proper name, but he was coming with a concept and a nature of God that said the I am that I am is walking with you. It may not be a proper name, but there's a power that's connected to the I am. It may not be a proper name, but there's a presence that is connected to the I am. It may not be a proper name, but it is authority that is connected to the name. You know how he could step in and look at Pharaoh and say God's calling his people out is because God was faithful to him. God was powerful in his behest. It was because God was trustworthy. These were things that described the character of God. Listen to me. You don't serve a God that is lacking and a God that is limited that will leave you to face the enemy defenseless, but you've got the character of God, the presence of God, the power of God that is going to walk with you. You need to lift up your hands in the middle of your difficulty and battle and struggle and say, I know from where comes my help. It comes from the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, let's thank him together. Praise God. Let's worship him. I'm thankful for his self-revelation. He's still revealing his power and his ability. He's approached and named in Scripture as Jehovah, Yahweh. In Psalm 68, verse 4, he's... he's He's given, the name is Yah, J-A-H, by his name Yah, and rejoice before him. Jehovah only appears four times alone, three with compound names, and all of the other places are God or Lord. This was the ancient custom. The Jews did not want to take the name of the Lord in vain because it would become commonplace. So the Tetragrammaton is Y-H-W-H, -H, and there's no value, vowels associated to that. So they had pieced some vowels together to say Lord or Jehovah. And you can see that, Y-H-W-H, -H, and you can see the vowels that were put in there, so you end up with Jehovah. We pronounce it as Jehovah or Yahweh. So when we're talking about the God of the Old Testament, we say Yahweh or we say Jehovah. And so God continues, Jehovah continues, he is the eternal spirit, he does not have flesh and bone, he is an eternal spirit in the Old Testament, unless he chooses to reveal himself in some way, form or fashion. When he approaches Abraham, he is in a theophany as a man. 
in his relationship to Israel. He is a pillar of cloud. He is a fire. There are different ways that he reveals himself. He appears as the angel of the Lord when he's wrestling with Jacob. But there is not a specific personage that is connected to that eternal spirit of the Old Testament. This is one of the reasons why there was such conflict between the children of Israel and the nations around them. The children of Israel were coming with the I am that speaks from a burning bush that is conceptual and he's got a name, he's, he's trustworthy, he's powerful when all the other nations around Israel served idolatry. They had images. They had things that they would set up and say, this is a God. It was made out of wood or stone, and it was an image. And so they spent much time in that image, and it became an, an idolatry thing. And God said, you're different. You are not like the nations around you. You're not, you're not going to serve figurines and Baal and Asherah and these things that the nations around you have, have put up as if they're somehow gods that are connected to agriculture and the ground and fertility. And this, this also played into sexuality and practices and temple worship and all of this and sacrificing children and everything. And so this was something God said, you are not going to, you are going to serve the one true living God. And this was always a temptation on the part of the Hebrews because they were always looking around them. And they were seeing other nations and what they were doing. This was an Achilles heel on them because at some point in time during the divided kingdom period, they started being uh, Synchristic, which means they brought images and things from other religions into the worship to God. And so they created high places. And so they had this mishmash of worship that was not pleasing to God, that was bringing in all these elements. And it wasn't true worship. God said, I want you to worship me differently than the world is going to worship their gods. Amen. I'm, I'm not an image. I'm not a figurine. I'm not an idol. But I am your God, and I will lead you. And I will direct you. Can I just throw this out here? We don't need to be looking at the world around us and saying, well, that's what we need or not need. This is what we need to apply or we need to take this away. We need to serve the one true living God with anointing and a move of his spirit and anointing and recognize God is with us. Hallelujah. We need revival and God's anointing and God's ability to be with us. Praise God. So this became a problem. And they would look at that, and they would be tempted by that. It would sway them, along with all of the attachments that were connected. And then you have people like Ahab that married Jezebel, who uh, brought a lot of that with her. You had Solomon that had so many wives, and his foreign wives brought all their practices in, and it diluted the sincere, true worship. So this was one of their struggles, their problems. They didn't have something tangible. This is really a key point. They didn't have something tangible to point to and say, that's our God. <laughs> but they had practice and experience that said, that is our God. Which is more important and which do you want? I want something tangible like the gods around us. Or do you want a God that leads you out of Egyptian bondage? And he leads you to the Red Sea, and he parts the waters, and you cross over, and then he provides food for you, water out of a rock. He's with you every step of the way. He's there. He can be experienced, but he's not tangible. Which do you want, something that is tangible, or do you want God's anointing and power to walk with you? Praise God. I want God's anointing and power to go with me rather than erect something that is an image that doesn't have any power. So this became their struggle. So God would reveal all of that, those conceptual things, 
in his compound names of Jehovah. And some, some places they put these flags up, and you can see these, and we'll go through these. I've already mentioned one, Genesis chapter 22 and verse 14. When Abraham is sacrificing Isaac, God prepares himself a sacrifice, and Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides. The Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh. He's also Jehovah Rapha, for I am the Lord that healeth. And so these are, these are self-revelation of where you have known me in one particular way, but I'm going to show you. <laughs> You've known me as Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides, but now I'm going to show you I am the Lord that heals. So there is revelation in that. He's also known as Jehovah Nisi, which is the Lord, our banner. He's going to go before you, and he's going to raise a banner before you in the presence of your enemies. He's known as Jehovah Imkadesh, the Lord that sanctifies you. Jehovah Shalom, he is the Lord, our peace. Jehovah Sabaoth, he is the Lord of hosts. Jehovah Elion, he is the Lord most high. Jehovah Ra'ah, he is the Lord, my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He is Jehovah Ra'ah. He is Jehovah Hosinu. He is the Lord, our maker. He is Jehovah Sidkenu. He is the Lord, our righteousness. And he is Jehovah Shama. He is the Lord that is present. So in these compound names, you see that God reveals himself in one way, and then he reveals himself in another way. And there is self-revelation and progression in his power and in his ability. Many, many wanted to know his name. Jacob asked him when he was wrestling with the angel, he said, tell me your name. And the angel said, wherefore is it that you have asked after my name? And he blessed him, but he didn't tell him his name. Manoah and judges asked the angel of the Lord, what is thy name? And when thy sayings come to pass, may we do thee honor. He wanted to know the name of the Lord and the Lord, the angel of the Lord said, why do you ask after my name? It is a secret. And so it's, it's always, it's, it's, it's shrouded, it's, it's wrapped up in mystery, and yet at the same time, there is revelation that reveals how great he is. There were prophets that had great desire wanting to know that. So throughout the Old Testament, there was a desire on the part of men, women in the Old Testament, and then as well as the prophets. For Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6 prophesies and says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name, we don't know what the name is, because it's the Old Testament, and it's mystery, but there is something that is significant about the name. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Zechariah chapter 14 and verse number 9, and the Lord shall be king over the, all the earth. In that day there shall be one Lord, and his name one. So the prophets were prophesying and they were extending their faith even though they didn't know the name. They were extending their faith through the prophecy of the word that God gave them that there was going to come a name that was going to be wonderful, that was going to be counselor, that was going to be the mighty God, that was going to be the everlasting father, the creator and the originator. In that day, it's all going to be wrapped up in one name. They wanted to know that name. 
And there came a day in which that name was fully revealed in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21 after the Old Testament, after the intertestamental period of 400 silent years, John the Baptist comes on the scene and there is a message that is proclaimed. And in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21, and she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus is the culmination of all the compound names. The New Testament church identified themselves by the name of Jesus. By what power or by what name have you done this, Peter? We did this in the name of Jesus. You set him aside. The builders rejected him, but he has become the chief cornerstone. He's the foundation. That's what we're preaching. That's what we're teaching. This man was healed by the power that is in the name of Jesus. Take all of the presence of the Lord. Take all the authority of the Lord. Take all the power of the Lord. His character. Wrap it all up in Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. It's all captured in the name that is above every name. You ought to look at the enemy and speak in Jesus' name. You ought to look at your problem and say in Jesus' name. You ought to face your trouble and say in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Why don't we lift up our hands and thank the Lord that there is a name. Neither is there salvation in any other. Neither, 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 neither. Peter was not going to back down. When you say Jesus, his power is inseparable from his name. Peter was not going to back down from persecution and difficulty. He stood and he said, neither is there salvation in any other? For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Paul said in Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 9, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's all wrapped up in the name of Jesus. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17, Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Everything is in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You don't have to be wrapped up in mystery, shrouded in a fog of, of, of trying to understand the name because it's all wrapped up in the name. Peter said, repent and be baptized in the name. That was found in 2, 8, 10, and 19. Why do we baptize in Jesus' name? It's the only saving name. Neither is there salvation in any other. I'm going to pray in the name. I'm going to pray for people to be healed in the name. I'm going to counsel people in in the name. The first thing that we're going to do is pray and say in Jesus' name. We're going to baptize people in Jesus' name. Why would you leave out the greatest element of Christianity and salvation? You got to get the name involved. I said you got to get the name involved. It's got to be applied to your life. Woo! Praise God. There's power in the name of Jesus. It can wash every sin away. It can cleanse every failure. It can renew and bring power because of the name. Hallelujah. Whatever you do, do it in the name of Jesus. 
Praise God, praise God. Musicians come. It's not a magical formula. We're not just throwing it out there disconnected. You can get yourself in trouble doing that. The sons of Sceva said, we adjure you by Jesus that Paul preaches. Come out. And the spirit said, we know Paul and we know Jesus, but who are you? You can't disconnect it. You can't just say the name. But, man, if there's a connection, there's power and authority. And have you ever been in a situation where all you knew what to do was say in Jesus' name? Huh? I don't know what to tell you. I don't have any answers for you. We've exhausted every angle. We've talked about it. I don't know what to say, but let's do this. Let's pray in Jesus' name because there's counsel and power in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Have you ever been to the doctor and you got the report and the report said, we don't know what to say, we don't know what to do? You could say, well, that's fine. You're a practicing physician, but I know the one true physician that knows who I am, so I'm going to speak in his name. When I don't have the words to say, when I don't know what to do, there is a power that is connected to the name that is Jesus. When my back is against the wall, I don't know where to turn. I don't know what to do. I'm confused. I speak the name of Jesus and his presence. Presence is there, his power is there, his character is there, his authority is there. Hallelujah. And it brings strength to me and wisdom to me and direction to me. Praise God in this place here today. You may be going through a myriad of difficulties. You may feel like you're under duress and you just barely got here in the house of God today. I want you to know that there is a name that's going to bring encouragement to you this morning. Praise God. It's going to be worth your time and effort that you got up, got dressed, and got here this morning because there is one that loves you, recognizes where you are, and wants to deliver his authority and ministry and power and presence to you. Who is it? It's in the name of Jesus. It is Jesus. Jesus. Praise God, praise God. Jesus revealed his name through his ministry, through the works that he accomplished. Luke chapter 7 and verse 19, John calling unto him, two of his disciples sent them to Jesus saying, Art thou he that should come or should we look for another? When the men were coming to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And in that same hour he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and evil spirits, and unto many that were blind he gave sight. Jesus answered and said unto them, Go your way, and tell John what things you have seen and heard, how that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, to the poor, the gospel is preached. What was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying everything that was back there, the presence, the authority, the power, the ability, it's all wrapped up. And God manifested incarnate in the flesh. And he has come to work miracles, signs, and wonders and reveal his authority and his power. It's all wrapped up in the name. This is why the early church, everything was about Jesus. I don't know where something was missed somewhere, somewhere, creedally, creedal statements, councils, somewhere around 200, 300, I don't know. Somewhere, the significance of the name was completely lost. Formulas were changed. But I'm thankful for an apostolic truth that says we will never just rely on titles. We're not changing the formula that was given in the book of Acts. We're coming at everything.
in the name of Jesus. It's not within ourselves. It's not within our own abilities. It's not within our talents. Praise God. But if you're going to carry a big stick to the fight, carry a stick that says in Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Father is great, but if I'm going to get in a real battle, I want the name of Jesus. The sonship is awesome, but if I'm going to get in a struggle, you better believe I'm coming in the name of Jesus. I'm thankful for the Holy Ghost, but I'm not just coming in Holy Ghost. I'm coming in the power and authority that is connected to the name that is above every name. Jesus. Hallelujah. I know in this building here today, there's many things represented. Whatever it is that you're, let's stand together. Whatever it is that you're rubbing up against this morning, I extend to you, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. If you're weak, you need to step up here in this front, lift up your hands and say, Jesus, bring some encouragement and strength to me. Hallelujah. If you need healing today, Praise God, you need to find yourself a place and say, in Jesus' 